Hello, I'm Solomon Afghan from Nunamikoa at the south mouth of the Yukon River. Hello, I'm Brent Beans, originally from Mountain Village, but living here in Bethel since 2005. Hi, I'm Joseph Kleika. I'm a family physician. I've lived here on the YK Delta for 28 years. I currently live in Bethel, Alaska. Hello, my name is Max Angilan. I am from Quixluk, Alaska. I chose to volunteer on the KYUK board because radio is important to the people of the Yukon Kuskokwim Delta. Been on the board a little over, a little under a year, and reason why I chose is because I listen to radio almost a daily basis. I serve on the board of directors because uh, KYUK is so important to both Bethel and also uh, the villages served by the the Bethel hub here. Um, I've seen that over the 28 years how important it is. For pulling the community together, getting messages out in a uniform way, and making people be connected. KYUK plays an important part in disseminating news, weather, state and national regional news. Also, uh, messages, uh, important events. Welcome back to In Your Ears for 50 Years. I'm Gabby Salgado. Throughout this series, we've celebrated 50 years of KYUK by taking a look at the rise of television, the importance of community radio, local news programming, and so much more. And today, we've reached our last episode of the series. To catch up on old episodes, visit kyuk.org. You can find this show under the Programs tab. I also want to remind everyone to rate, review, and subscribe to this show. And all of KYUK shows, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and NPR One. For this final episode, Shane Iverson sat down with KYUK board member Andre Jacobs to talk about what the station is currently doing, some of the challenges we face in rural Alaska, and their hopes for the future of the station. Hey everyone, Shane Iverson. I, uh, you might know me. I've been in KYK here for many years. Uh, my face, my voice has been on the radio, television, and other materials. But nowadays I serve as the general manager of this fine station. And uh, I have the great benefit of being joined by one of my friends and currently one of my 10 bosses as a uh, board member of KYUK, Andre Jacobs, born and raised in Bethel, and has served as the uh, at-large board member for several years now. Andre, welcome and good morning. Good morning. Hey, thank you so much, Shane. It's an honor and privilege to be able to be a part of the KYUK family and um, serve the mission and the people of the YK Delta. So thank you. It's an honor to um, always help 
any way I can. Here we are uh, celebrating our 50th year uh, over the air, uh, broadcasting TV, and uh, of course our website, which we can all talk more about as we as we get the conversation going. But um, 50 years is a long, long journey. I think you're one of the perfect people to talk to because of, of your history. I mean, you, you go way back with KYUK. Um, and most people who are been in Bethel for a long time know you or know of you. But, uh, you know, why don't you just for a second, just kind of maybe take us way back to young Andre um, listening to KYUK radio and watching KYUK TV. Well, th- uh, thank you. Um, you know, I can remember... I remember the date, actually, it was August 23rd of 1984, and it was a hot day in Philadelphia, and we were moving to Bethel, Alaska, and it was a long day, and um, uh, we get to Bethel, finally, after all these plane rides across the country, and we arrive at the old Mark Air Terminal. I'm not even sure what's in there now, uh, but I know they had upstairs the restaurant. But it's just loud and it's tons of commotion and movement happening. And we get into a truck. It was uh, Clara Kelly, uh, former Bethel Marin. Many Bethel people will know her, Clara Kelly. And she's got the radio on. And I hear Yupik. I hear this Yupik, you know, and I'm a kid. And it's, and um, I should know Yupik, but I don't. Um, but I hear it and it's on the radio and it's late, but it's really loud in the car and it's in Yupik and there's some conversation happening. And I'm just thinking, whoa, this is really different. You know, and I'm still a kid. And I always remember that very first experience of leaving the Mark Air Terminal back on August 23rd, 1984 and hearing Yupik on KYK for the very first time. And I mean, from there, it must have piqued your curiosity. Your your mom's too, your, your late mother was... Uh... I mean, she started volunteering, I don't know exactly when, but it couldn't have been too long after that, that she was helping expose all of us who would have been here at the time to a multitude of, of different musics and opening experiences up for, for many listeners, right? Yeah, well, you know, even before I was born, my dad, um, his, I guess his KYK handle was Herbie J, but he was, uh, he was uh, on the KYK staff before I was even born. Um, so that was, um, I don't remember because I wasn't alive, but I know it's, it's been a part of my family since then. My mom would bring her records to my dad. My dad would play them on K on KYUK, you know, like soul music on KYUK in the early seventies. Um, I think it would have been a very, I, I, before that's even before I was born, but I, I just have this romantic feeling about what that era was like to be broadcasting for the very first few years and figuring out what this feels like, um, you know, to be a radio station in remote Alaska, in a remote part of the world. Um, It's pretty unique. Um, So I'm sure those early years for uh, my mom and my dad would have been great. Um, But if I can go on a tangent, uh, you were asking me earlier about my first experiences with KYUK and um, how I, first walked in the door would have been through Martha Scott, um, who's now down in Juneau. Uh, and Martha Scott was out doing pop box uh, work, just man on the streets, mm-hmm. 
taking the microphone out and asking people to say, you're listening to KYUK in Bethel, Alaska. She was asking kids, all types to, to do that. And so I asked her if I could do that, but I wanted to know more about radio. And so she, she hopped on an opportunity and uh, I got to do a, my first like radio report, I think in fourth or fifth grade. And I was hooked. I was yeah. hooked, hooked after yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. It was relevant, too, because, you know, in the late 80s, Anna Hoffman, um, uh, Anna Cook, uh, when she was, we were young, was in high school, and she was doing translating, Yupik News translating as a high schooler um, on, on KYK TV. Like, that's pretty amazing, you know, in the whole scheme of the whole mm-hmm. world, to have a high school kid translating uh, English to Yupik with these complex ideas, uh, complex ideas. And she was a high schooler doing that. And um, so I think it was relevant for everyone, uh, whether you were a high schooler like Anna to an 80 year old like her, you know, um, could be her grandmother, great grandmothers. So, no, I spent a few years here at the station and then uh, we had, were revitalizing our community advisory board. Um, this was probably about 10 years ago, maybe more, maybe, maybe several more than 10 years at this point. But, um, and we needed, we needed change. We needed to keep up with that. So that was part of the reason I asked you and several other, several other really outstanding, creative people who care about the community um, to join our community advisory board. And so, so what we were trying to do then was uh, basically get more feedback from people who listen all the time and who can say like, okay, this thing you're doing, that's great, but maybe we could reconsider uh, some, some other programs. But I'm wondering if you remember some of the big changes. One of them was uh, the TalkLine replay. So, you know, TalkLine had been a, a long running program at KYUK every Friday a chance for everyone to express their opinions um and it's always kind of been a an edgy show uh definitely definitely gets me in the hot seat every few months um but yeah the cab was like we should have more of this we should have more of this kyuk is simply about this community engagement and um the ability to transmit ideas um between people um, or to, yes, or to share I share um, knowledge. And TalkLine, I think, is at its most basic exactly that. And that is type part of the mission, I think, of KYUK. So TalkLine and those type of give and takes, I think, are so important in order for a um, society to thrive and to be informed and to be engaged and kyk is an agent of that um and so that's why i thought talk line for me was always going to be important and in fact it if anything it could still be on more mediums it could, <laughs> you know if it was like on youtube uh or so, mm-hmm. you know it, it would still be however that knowledge can be disseminated using Mediums of communication is uh, very important. Talkline is it, it is kind of a 
a flagship show for, for KYUK. I mean, obviously we've decided that we want to stick hard with journalism. And so we put a lot of resources towards that. Uh, but the amazing thing about TalkLine is once you got the phone line set up and you got a host ready to take calls, uh, you can get ton of content just by opening up the phone lines with this, you know, agreement with the community that we're going to share opinions and information in a respectful manner. It's what I, what I like about it is that there's talk of Alaska, which is a bit more structured, but there's like this continuum of public broadcasting um, communication. And one piece of it is the very structured talk of Alaska where you have producers, they have a little bit more money, more infrastructure, so they can do that. They can spend more time preparing for that. Where um, Talkline, we don't have that ability, and nor is that necessarily the point of Talkline is to be prepared. It's about that, you know, what, what's, re what's resonating with you right at that moment. Um, and that can be very different than, you know, a tailored discussion on Bristol Bay Sockeye, you know, management versus, you know, false past fisheries stuff. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's very specific and TalkLine isn't for that purpose, but they're both relevant and very important for public broadcasting in Alaska. Um, so I like that. I like things like TalkLine and I like things like Talk of Alaska um, because they're very relevant uh, for the Alaska um, rural remote Bethel YK Delta experience. It's, um, it, it always keeps me on my toes here at mm -hmm. this stage. Well, I, you know, that's the beauty of TalkLine is it keeps you on your toes, you know, <laughs> it keeps the, yeah, and, and that's a good thing, because if we get too complacent about it, then maybe it's not working well. Another change, too, I think that'd be definitely worth talking about, because it will pertain to the future, um, and it's definitely a part of our past and the, the transition that we made, and a lot of, a lot of organizations had to face um, was what to do about their newsroom in, in an era where uh, newsroom revenues were decreasing. And of course, I don't think I need to go through the whole history, but you know, short, long story short, uh, internet technologies have allowed for uh, a lot of different means of gathering and disseminating news. And it's really upended uh, the current model, especially for print journalism, which is based on ad revenue. And as, as news and ads moved to the web and away from uh, broadcast and print, um, newsrooms all over the country have just folded up. Newspapers sold out to larger organizations. Those larger organizations sold out to other larger organizations. And I mean, the net effect for a lot of communities is just a gutting of local journalism. And so that's something we had to contend with here is what are we going to do about journalism? It's an expensive endeavor. Uh, it's tough to make your money back on it. And, and we certainly don't. Um, so is that something we want to uh, do? And to what extent do we want to do it? And, uh, you know, I remember the conversations around with the community advisory board, the cab was like, journalism will continue to be one of the most, if not the most important thing um, KYUK is doing. At its heart, I mean, communication is transmitting ideas. That's it. And in order for 
KYUK to have meaning, it's got to be about transmitting ideas, about transmitting knowledge, about informing, um, engaging uh, people. And because of that, I think that news is so vital um, and necessary for um, a community to f thrive and to flourish. If Yupik, Inupiaq people, Chupik, um, Chupik people want to maintain language, um, if we want to learn um, and be able to have sovereignty, I think that we need to have news. I think we have to remain informed. We have to understand what happens and we have to hold our politicians accountable. And in order for that to happen, you have to have news and it cannot come from 400 miles away in Anchorage. It cannot come from Fairbanks. It has to come from Bethel, period. No ifs, ands, or buts about that. Therefore, news is vital to KYUK, um, in my estimation. That's the most important thing that KYUK can do is to share knowledge that it's gonna be 65 below zero, prepare your home, um, you know, get your pipes taken care of. That is news and that is much more important than a song um, for people. It is absolutely essential. If we were in a place, I mean, I live in, I'm in a lower 48 where it's mild temperatures all day long. You know, um, I have a lot of variety of places and choices to make. When you don't have that on the YK Delta and you're left with singular, a singular choice for media, it should be, it, you should have news. You should have news more than anything else. You should have information. Um, the other stuff you can get, you can get everything else anywhere else in the, in the world. But for the YK Delta, I think you've got to have that news. It's so important because the way that we live out there, it's, um, it's a demanding place to live and you've got to have information. Well, you know, I think one of the best things I've, about living in um, the YK Delta remote part of the world is we have to live with everyone every day. Every, you know, you can't escape people. Um, there's only so many houses. There's only so many buildings. There's only so many roads. We're in constant contact with each other. And it's that, um, that intertwining of their jobs, their children, yourself, um, you know, their families, our families, we're so intertwined with each other that it makes telling news stories a very unique place compared to, let's say, a city with 75,000 people where you have more options and you don't have to have as much interaction, um, direct interaction with people. So I think that, yeah, telling stories in the YK Delta is very different because it is so remote, um, you know, versus telling a story here in where I'm at in lower 48, where uh, you don't have to see your neighbors all the time. Um, so I just love that. It was um, something that I, I always cherish about being from the YK Delta is the ability to live with other people and to do it well um, and to be uh, um, helpful. And I think that that's what KYK is doing is exactly that. It's being a helpful neighbor. 
I think as we build support, people see it and we can we can continue to just get more and more supporters on board, which is which is what we've been doing. It's just it's a slow pro it's a slow process. And then um it's tough too when you run in a news organization because the news, um, you know, certain stories might not make everyone happy and especially people in positions of power um, yeah. are not always super keen on us at any particular moment. Uh, though, you know, I give everyone in, the, in, in Bethel in the region, a lot of credit for kind of seeing the big picture of what KYUK means to the region. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a struggle for sure, but I agree. It'd be great to have a signature television show as well as turn the radio programs we have into consistent, uh, you know, radio for TV, right? So you're doing your radio thing, bam, you got some cameras, pop it in. And um, if people prefer to watch, they could watch it. And people prefer to listen, they could listen to it. Either either way. Can you tell me about the mediums that KYK is currently on? So you're on Instagram, YouTube, obviously the radio station in Bethel, um, yeah, the, television the, the presence. Two. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, you hit most of them there. Uh, you know, I'd say I, to, I'd add to that the, uh, the podcast. So iTunes and Spotify, the big podcasts, but, uh, yeah, all, uh, like most, most of our shows are up there now. Certainly our English and Yupik news, uh, talk line is there. Uh, uh, you is there. So yeah, I mean that's that's a big thing for me because I can't always listen to the live show, but you can always catch the podcast. So I think that's going to be a big big thing moving forward too, is keeping keeping that digital uh, everything alive that we do for broadcast, also doing it digital. Uh, you know, for for broadcast for for public broadcasters, it's a it's especially small ones like us, it's, if we were in a bigger market, I think all of those programs could be self-sustaining because you could find funders for them in a smaller market like us, it's tougher. So we're, we're kind of, we're making our money broadcasting, but we don't want to just be a place that you only hear things when we're playing them because that's just not the way the world works anymore. Yeah. And it's so limiting for the listener too. So we got to be able to be there on podcasts and on the internet. I find that I see that it's very challenging because KYK, I I feel like at times is like it, it can, it is what people want. Millions of people want native language to flourish. Millions of people want native. And I think hundreds of thousands of them are willing to pay money for that stuff. But as you mentioned, we just have a small market. And how do we tap um, those the small market with people that understand the need for language survival and are willing to support it? So I'm excited to say we got the 50, uh, 50 to forever endowment fund set up. In May of 2021, the KYUK board put up $100,000 toward the KYUK endowed fund to help sustain the station for generations to come. Uh, so, so that's part of that whole process is having a place for that money to land if, if, and when, uh, people do want to give. Exactly. So yeah. good, good, yeah. Uh, good foresight to do that too. Congratulations. Good job on that, Jane. 
Well, thank you. Thank you. And that, that, I mean, that's been a board, the board's been um, looking to see that done for, for years now, but we finally are in the financial place to do it. And with that, the 50 year anniversary was like, we were all like this, we let's get this done now why, why we're celebrating ourselves. The importance of KYUK's reporting is vital to the health and safety of the region. We often partner with Search and Rescue and other local organizations to report on the changing conditions on the river and on the trails. In the future, as climate change continues to impact the region, local reporting will remain a critical resource. That's an interesting thing. When I started here as a journalist, uh, that was one of the most interesting things for me to cover were search and rescue stories. But at the time, it was almost exclusively uh, stories of survival and literally search and rescue missions. But something that's changed over the many years since then, um, you know, call it 15 years, is the amount of trail and conditions-based reporting we have to do. Because like 15 years ago, the river froze, it stayed frozen, and then it thawed in the spring, you know? And that's how it pretty much was every winter beyond that. But now you could have two or three um, rethaws in the spring or in the, in the fall. And, um, and in the spring, the, the breakup is, can take a lot longer because the weather's just up and down. It's up and down. So uh, when you talk about like the important things we were reporting on, to me, one of them is just like, what is the river doing today? Where is it safe? Where is the, where is the trail been plowed or not? I mean, it's real basic stuff. It's not terribly complicated, but it does take good relationships with the folks out there volunteering their time. While they're volunteering to get their work, we've got to convince them to volunteer their time to, to communicate that. Mm-hmm. And then just the staff that's like ready and understands as things are changing, like, because as many people use the river, like it's still not a common thing for most people to get on the river on any given day. Mm-hmm. So it's not like uh, the local highway that you just jump onto and get to work and everyone takes it. So it's like, how do you know you're supposed to report on that today? Mm-hmm. So that's just something I think about in the future because I just see that becoming more and more of an issue. Yeah, so I mean, we're, we're weaving in elements of the future here. We both agree that there is a, a place for, for radio and television in the future, even amidst um, all the exciting technologies that are evolving. Um, we've talked a little bit about where we'd like to see our television production in terms of having a signature show, maybe like Ask an Alaskan, or, uh, and also being able to replay and digitize our archives. I mean, we're talking about decades and decades of unique footage from rural Alaska, uh, the biggest video library in all of rural Alaska. And much of that is now been digitized, much more will be digitized. And then through that process, we'll be getting that online and back on our television channel so that it's available to the public. Well, just that's kind of the 
the TV and video side of things, but then radio. So obviously the programs that we have now, they're sustainable, they're running. We're talking about KYK News, Talkline, UTU, Kitfafluku, Thunder Drums, Weather, Fish Talk, River Talk, et cetera, et cetera, other specials. Um, those are all fine and well. But I think what we're still lacking and what we benefit from a bunch once we get there is more voices and perspectives and, and talents from our villages. You know, mm-hmm. one of the, one of the barriers to working at KYUK has been, you need to live in Bethel. And yeah. that's kind of a problem for a lot of people. Not everyone's set up nor wants to, nor would that be the best thing for them. So how can we tap into, how can we utilize these talents that we know exist on the coast or up the Johnson or up the Kuskokwim, mm-hmm. on the Yukon? Uh, people who continue living their subsistence with life, they're all set up. Their deep knowledge of the culture, of the language, um, but we can't get them in the building. So that's kind of, I think, the next frontier for, for radio is using technology to as seamlessly and efficiently as possible incorporate those talents onto the air. Mm-hmm. We just set up eight repeaters um, or, or across the YK Delta, and, and they're being fed through uh, GCI's rural broadband. And so in some sites, it's flawless and it, it, it works just fine. In other sites, we get buffering and it's clunky. So it's, it's, it's still hit or miss. I think it's dependent on several things, which I don't fully understand. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are several sites where at least for... Um, maybe not for video, but for audio, we can get, we can, we could get some two way over the internet, Mm -hmm. uh, audio streaming going and, and look to have a host, you know, uh, um, a musical host and say Tuxtuk Bay where they've got a repeater. Yeah. 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 Wow. That's a, I love the idea. And um, yeah, that's a, that's a very, that's a great idea. (laughs) And it creates job opportunities in new places. Um, It's relevant if, uh, you know, and it's meaningful for people if they see and hear their own voices and it's being broadcast from their community for the first time, that's very different. It's just, how do you tell that story and get people to want to, (laughs) um, do it i suppose yeah yeah it's and and then um the capacity from our end because we don't have we're not going to have like a position whose sole job is to work with our producers so you know it's going to be another team effort can you can you can you tell me a little more about the endowment again i mean um yeah yeah you bet so uh it's we set it up with bethel community service foundation and um the idea is it'll be a place for people to put significant donations uh, in, instead of like the annual donation that goes towards 
that year's operations, which is incredibly important to us. Um, this would be an opportunity to see that money stay in the endowment and the interest from your donation will be used towards KYUK's mission in the future. So it's a really forward, forward looking investment vehicle. And because of uh, the strong financial position we're in currently, or I should at least say the stable financial position, we were able to donate $100,000 to that fund um, at, our, at our last board meeting. That's what the board voted on. And we've made that donation. And then we've been asking the public as well. And we've had over, um, you know, last I checked, we had about 32 donors and our total was uh, around $5,000. So um, not huge, but obviously still significant because that money will just continue to grow year, year over year. So, and we'll be making another ask here uh, later in the in the fall, I think, before our, our fundraiser, our, our, our actual operating fundraiser. Yeah, you know, and I think that's a perfect vehicle for, you know, beginning that major gift infrastructure uh, is you've got something to, uh, to work towards, and it's the endowment. Um, it makes it very clear and very easy for a donor, um, you know, why they're giving. It's to support the general programs and services of KYUK. And that's helpful knowledge, you know, that it's being used in an, uh, as an endowment. Um, and yeah, I think that resonates big time with uh, people with a lot of money. Um, shows that there's structure, that this has been seriously thought out, that there's partnerships that KYUK has with, with Bethel Community Services. And that's very important in order for a donor to make a wise decision yeah. And then, so the idea is, you know, after five years or more, um, we start to draw on the interest earnings of that, always keep the principal in place and, and it sh should continue to grow. And then we draw, you know, three to 5% off of that, mm -hmm. um, for operations. So if we can build that up to a place where, you know, my, my vision is to build it up to a place where three to 5% equals a one full-time position. Mm. Uh, you know, that'd be, a great place. People sometimes wonder how big KYUK is. Uh, we have, when we're fully staffed, we have 12 full-time staff members, just 12. It's really not that many considering all of the formats we've listed that we, uh, we run and, and, and provide service on. And then uh, a, a lot of part-timers, you know, some, some, you know, about five or six that work regularly but then when you think about like K300, then we bring on a bunch more um, and special events. So that's kind of the size of KYUK. And then obviously we have a gaming operation. When we're gaming, because of COVID, we are not gaming. But there's another five part-time employees there. But yeah, so when you look at 12 full-time employees, um, you know, hiring one from our, from our endowment, you know, that'd be, that'd be a significant piece of the puzzle going forward yeah definitely well I, I'm, I'm just thankful that kwk has got the foresight to even consider doing something like that seeing as there's a lot of nonprofits in the yk delta that don't have the capacity or infrastructure to do something like that so kudos kudos to you guys for that well i think we've kind of painted a picture of what our, our kwk's future could look like uh you know 
always room for improvement. Obviously, I'm really proud of the work we do, but we're always trying to figure out how can we get 1% more out of this production for tomorrow? You know, the next time, how can we do just a little better? What little change could we make next year that might have a big impact? Uh, and when you, when you do that day after day, year after year, that's when you start to see the changes. Well, I'm glad you're over there, Shane, to be able to do the day-to-day work and to make sure that, you know, this, this idea that we're able to transmit ideas and share knowledge with people can continue, you know, on KYUK. And um, I'm just glad to be a part of it. But I'm super thankful that you're there to captain the ship for KYUK. Well, thank you, Andrea. And I'll, I'll, uh, I'll return the gratitude because it, it makes all the difference in the world working for someone who loves KYUK, who gets why it's so important, who, who keeps up with the news and the information, even if uh, you know, you're not in the area uh, through our website. It's folks like you that help keep me inspired to want to be our best, to remember that everything that we do reverberates so far and can make an impact in, in your life and, and that of people just like you. And, um, you know, someone with a history at KYUK and someone who is going to make work with us to make it that much more meaningful and incredible in the future. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to In Your Ears for 50 Years. I hope you've enjoyed taking a look back at KYUK's first 50 years as much as we have. If you missed any of our previous episodes, you can find them on kyuk.org under the Programs tab. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and NPR One. This episode was hosted by Shane Iverson. Producers for the show are Kristen Hall and Gabby Salgado. Our theme music was performed by Bethy Whalen, Lisa Whalen, and Andy Angsman of the band Blue Whalen. Tune in after this for the Uke Tune episode, and Koyana for listening.